So welcome everyone to the Change Your Game with GTD podcast. My name is Robert Peak, and I'm here with Todd Brown. Hello, everyone. And the Change Your Game podcast is really just all about how to essentially get more done with a little less stress, a little more ease and grace, um, and to, to make more meaningful choices, I think, in, in your day-to-day life. So we talk about practical tips in particular in relation to the getting things done GTD methodology. So, Todd, we're, we've come kind of full circle here. We've, we've covered four of the five phases of mastering workflow. We've covered capture, clarify, organize, and reflect. Um, and the last phase, the one we kind of hold for last, is called engage. Or in more simple terms, it's just called do. <laughs> but, but do in the sense of doing the right things, doing the most effective things, um, making choices that you feel confident are are the right kind of choices and then and then setting off and actually getting actually getting those things done as the name of the of the methodology implies so it's the final final phase and and i thought it would be useful just to round out the series to talk a little bit about engaging today if if you're up for that um so in in terms of that you know how do you think about um how do you think about engaging as a GTD or having come through the previous steps? Um, what are you looking at? What are you considering to know that you're engaging effectively? So what, what are the signs, I guess, of effective engagement when it yeah. comes to yeah, I think, uh, and and I think that's a, that's a really good way to put it. I mean, I, so, so the question is sort of how do I know, how do I know that, that I'm focused on the right thing? And, and what I kind of imagine is that, that there is a sense that I get when when I know that I'm engaged in the right thing, that if someone were to show up unannounced and sort of tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, that thing that you're doing right now, is that the right thing to be doing? That I would say without any hesitation, yes, this is it. Uh, and, and by the way, that, what I'm doing in that moment could be something that, you know, that, that's, a, that's of uh, benefit you know, professionally, you know, that, that, that supports me and supports my clients and supports the folks that work with us at, at Next Action. Um, or it might be that what I'm doing in that moment is, um, you know, is having a, having a nice meal with my family, right? So, so engaging is really about uh, trusting that the choices that we're making about what we're focused on are the right choices. And, and what's interesting, I think, and, and you know, the, the models that we introduce and the way that we look at it, what's interesting is that a lot of people look at the, uh, you know, the advice that we give in this area and they say, uh, they say, wow, I, I really had no idea that I was this sophisticated uh, decision maker as I am. You know, the, the number of things that might be things I need to consider to make a good choice are, uh, they're, they're manifold. There, there are loads of things that might be, um, you know, that, that, that help to, to drive what I do at any given moment. So I think that the um, the sophistication of the models that we talk about here comes across to a lot of people as as a bit of surprise, a bit of a surprise. I don't know if that's something that you've you've experienced in your own work. Definitely, yeah. And I, I love that I love that definition that you just gave. That you know that if someone asked you in a sense to justify it, you'd have some kind of reason for why you're doing what you're doing in the moment. Because I think to me, what that implies is that you're conscious about it. You're conscious about why this and not something else in, in some way. And, and 
I think you're right. We absolutely do have all the time running these sophisticated models for decision makings, you know, in our neurology and, and, and wired, wired into us. It's just that we may not necessarily be conscious of these, these particular things. So, you know, there's that great, there's this great phrase that particularly among, I guess, the, probably the California surfer culture in which I sort of partly grew up that, if you, you know, if you asked us kind of a, a surfer, well, how'd you get here? They kind of say, well, things were just kind of going that way, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's the ultimate, in a sense, sort of lack of accountability and lack of consciousness about, you know, why this, why this particular choice? Well, you know, I was taking kind of, in a sense, the path of least resistance or that I was just going with the flow as it were, right? You know, mm-hmm. kind of surfer, mm-hmm. surfer dude metaphor. So, so I do think that, that when we ask people to become more conscious of the decision-making framework, A, that already exists in their world and B, that they might need to tune up and tweak and refine to really be able to say, yeah, this is, this is the best thing is the best thing to be engaging with in this moment um that it can it can be a bit of a, a bit of a stretch or a bit of a new thing you know to kind of wake up to to that reality that yeah it's it's complicated and there's a lot there i think the the upside or the the benefit that we hold out on the other side of what's potentially you know a little uncomfortable become conscious of these things um is is a sense of trust right is that feeling of yeah if anyone did tap me on the shoulder right now I'm focused on the most important thing right now, moment to moment, each moment, you know, and you can, and that you can trust yourself in making those choices as well. So you, things aren't just going that way. You aren't necessarily just going with the flow. Not that that's a, a bad thing to do sometimes, but that, you know, that you do actually trust that you've taken in all the reasonable inputs, that, that you're making a good decision, that you're in a sense being, being responsible about the choices you're making about what yeah. to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I, th- I, think, I think it's interesting because, you know, something else that I run into a lot as I work with clients is there is there is in some ways uh, a kind of a there, – there's a, there's a healthy skepticism and a little bit of c- can the world really be that complex? You know, the, the models that we bring to bear, does, do all of those things really impact on the way that I make decisions about what to focus on. And I think, you know, and maybe in a minute we can go, we can just give folks a bit of a review of what the models are. But what I think people are, what people are looking for is, hey, hey, come on, it's not, you know, they're looking for validation of this idea that, hey, it's not that complex. Come on, I just focus on whatever's highest priority, right? End of the day, that's what I need to focus on. And, and of course, yeah, I'm never going to argue that priority is not important. Priorities, priority is important, but it's not the only consideration. Right. If I, if if the thing that's um, burning brightest in my universe is the development of a strategic plan for for next year, right, and and I have three minutes free before my next meeting, well, at some level, um, you know, working on that strategic plan is probably uh, you know it, it is important, but in those three minutes, it's very unlikely I'm going to make any sort of significant progress, and the and the best thing to do in those three minutes might very well be that, that what I ought to focus on is, you know, go grab a cup of tea because I, I need a bit of a break before this meeting. Right. So that's just a, that's just a bit of a, of a, uh, you know, an, an idea or th- that opens the door, I think for a lot of people to this, to the sense that actually it's not as simple as saying, Hey, what's my, you know, what's the number one priority in my life? It's, it's a more sophisticated uh, it needs to be, if we're going to make trusted choices, a more sophisticated picture than that. So as I said, you know, it might be helpful for us just to support folks out there 
uh, to, to give them a bit of a reminder of the three models that we bring to bear in, uh, in the engage phase. Do you, you want to do them back? You want to do the first and I'll, I'll pick up and then you can take the third one. Um, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, I think the first one you're talking about is context, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, the limiting criteria. The model. Limiting criteria, basically, yeah. right? So, so, it, it, and that's a the great example that you just gave. You know, of <laughs> limiting criteria, and they are very practical, and probably part of the reason we're not so conscious of them a lot of the time is that they're, um, you know, a lot of this just gets kind of kind of hardwired in in ways that we don't necessarily question or tease out or or think about. But there's there's obviously an inherent stress that you were just pointing out between pretending something's top priority and not being in a context where you can actually do that thing, right? That, that, that will, you know, create, create some stress for you. So instead with, with GTD, we say, look, why don't you just get clear on what your contexts are, what the limiting criteria are in your world. First one that you mentioned, of course, is time. You know, and, and exactly that, that you're not going to do something that requires about 20 minutes just to get your headspace right to start doing. You've only got three minutes until your next meeting, right? So mm -hmm. time is, is a huge factor. Um, you know, location is another huge factor, just the, the physical reality. You know, you, you, you really can't do something that you've, if you've got to be in the office to do that thing, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to sort of berate yourself all weekend for not, not being physically there to, to do it, right? So um, in a lot of ways, part of what this does is help you be where you are and be most efficient with what's true for you. So it's mm. getting a clear inventory of what's real, what's actually true. And then in terms of resources, we like to point out that yes, your stapler and your computer and all of those things are a resource, but so are you. Right. You, your levels of energy, your um, whether you sort of are, are best to tackle, you know, a big, maybe slightly difficult, slightly, you know, risky, stretchy sort of um, client importance that client sales call first thing in the morning when you're energized or if you're maybe more of a slow burner type person and it's better for you to, you know, dig deep into that project in the afternoon after you've, you know, had a couple of cups of coffee in you. So, so you being a resource in all of that, as well as all of the tools and kit and things uh, around you um, helps you take that first, you know, that first cut. And really, let's let's be honest: the cut number zero, ground zero, the cut, the biggest cut of all about all the stuff that comes at you is: is it actionable or not? Right? I mean, that's really mm. the first big sword, the first big kind of Occam's razor moment where you go: this needs to be, you know, in a system for me to action, and this needs to be filed away or binned or or put off in, until later in a way that it'll remind me appropriately later. So mm -hmm. um, that's that's cut number zero, but cut number one is now once you've done that clarifying thinking and organized it appropriately into those contexts, where, where are you in, in the context and, and what can you actually do? So in that mm -hmm. sense, I, when people say, well, how do you prioritize? I often say we prioritize very practically. GTD, in a sense, is it, it, to me when you get to this level of the gauge, is about practical prioritization. It's called mm. where are you, what can you do, how are you feeling, how much time you got, and and these are things that if you have really good lists working for you, um, you should be able to go to the appropriate list uh, pretty quickly and narrow your options considerably. You know, I mean, I'd say actionable and not is probably the first big wheat from chaff, but from there, or narrow your options considerably with those limiting criteria. 
So Todd, yeah, do you want to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, as you're talking about it, I think, you know, the, the one of the interesting things I think about GTD in general is that GTD, um, when we've got good GTD systems and good ways of working, it gives us the ability, yes, as, as we always say, it gives us the ability to focus, but it also really gives us the ability to be clear what we're not focused on at any given time, right? So, so using the context as an example, right? If, if I find myself on an airplane, which I do from time to time, as you're aware, um, and I say to myself, okay, well, what can I do now? If my system's in good shape, well, I'm presented with a great set of lists, right? The, the things that are sitting on this, this list of things I can do on my computer, on my laptop, when I'm, when I'm offline. Um, what that means then if, is that I can very safely and, and without any, any sort of um, cognitive dissonance, I can then ignore my at-home list, my agendas list for you, my agendas list for, for uh, Tom, our CFO, my, you know, my, um, uh, my list of phone calls that I need to make, right? All of those things are things I can ignore in that moment. So I think in a way, GTD, it does help us focus by being clear about what it is we're not going to focus on. And I think the, and I think the, the loading criteria model um, and, and contexts in particular as part of that model is a, is, is a great example of that. Maybe we can move on then to the to the second model. So the what we call the threefold nature of work model. Um, I, I think the threefold nature of work. I, and again, just as a review for those of you who might not have your uh, your workflow diagram in front of you or might not have these uh, the the model model to hand in some form. Um, you know, if you're engaged in productive activity of some kind, you're basically engaged in one of three things. You're either defining your work. Um, you know planning or to use the GTD terms, clarifying and organizing. Um, that's one, one form of work is defining your work. By the way, the, the weekly review would fall into that category as well. Or you're doing predefined work. So in other words, you're, you're doing work that, that you have defined for yourself in the past, you've done that defining and now you're doing it. So anytime you go to a meeting in your calendar, anytime you pick something off a list to focus on, that's doing, that's doing predefined work. And the third type of, of uh, work in the model is, is um, unplanned work or, you know, work as it appears, as we sometimes refer to it. And that's where, you know, an email arrives. You don't go through the, the conscious, uh, you know, clarifying, uh, clarifying decision making around it. You certainly don't organize a reminder. You just get stuck in. Right. And that and and that may very well be appropriate in situations where the input is clearly the best use of your time to, to, to get stuck into the input is clearly the best use of your time. Um, so so, you know, focusing on things which are um, which are unplanned work, not necessarily bad, um, but not risk free. If you make a choice like that to choose to focus on something which is which is unplanned, if you're not clear what's all of the uh, predefined work that I could now be doing? And frankly, what is all of the clarifying that I, that I could be doing right at the moment? So that's the model in kind of a big, in kind of a big nutshell. Um, Robert, any, any reflections on that model? And again, in your own work or work with clients that, um, you know, any, any stories to tell in that, in that sphere? Well, I find it really, really helpful with, with people to, to spell out, you know, that, that these three, you know, these basically these three types of work are the only types of work that you can be doing at any point in time, right? To some to some extent, this, these are the three things that encompass anything you've done sort of pre-GTD and and anything that you will be doing now that you know GTD. And particularly to point out that that in the the planned work, it shows up in 
largely two places, right? It, it shows up on the calendar for all the time-specific commitments that, that your actions on the calendar are next actions. Like the next action is to attend a meeting or make a call and has to happen at a certain time. So that's that's where it lives. And that really for kind of all the all the white space in there, all the stuff where it's called, it's not scheduled, you've got to figure out what's most important. That's that's what the lists are about. So a lot of people, I think, do, um, you know, you, you get to a certain stage in, in adult life where you do have a, a pretty good relationship with your calendar and you can acknowledge, look, you know, I, I do need this thing to navigate the time-specific and stuff and the time-critical stuff by way of things like reminders of deadlines and so forth. So what's often revolutionary for people is bringing in this whole other navigational tool called really well-contextualized lists of actions and projects. Um, so, But of course, that requires attention, that requires the work of, of planning and of defining the work um, in order for those to be available and to be to be in good shape. So I, I love the threefold nature. In fact, sometimes when people are really feeling overwhelmed and really in a place where most of what they're doing day to day is unplanned work, and it, it really shouldn't be that way for their job role. I mean, it's, it's great for firemen. It's great for frontline IT people, you know, but if you're in a senior leadership position and all you're doing is putting out fires all day, very often actually I'll start with the threefold nature of work just to explain to them look, here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be laying more of a foundation of a mix of defining the work, of working off of lists as well as off of the calendar and the meetings so that you have a range of options and it can navigate this art of work and can get out ahead of some of those fires before they, you know, while they're still smoldering rather than fully, you know, conflagration mode. Um, and, and so it, it can be actually a really useful entry point for a lot of people where they go, oh, I see how I'm going to get some relief here. Mm-hmm. I start to be able to nurture three different behaviors rather than just the one called water bucket, you know, <laughs> and run to the next fire. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I, I, I'm with that completely. And, and for me, in some ways, it's the model, it's the model that you start with, right? If, if you, if you are saying to yourself, okay, I want to do something productive, it's kind of the first model that, that gives you a framework for your, for, for figuring out where your focus is going to go. Right? Am I going to focus on unplanned work? Am I going to, um, you know, am I going to do some some things that are on my lists or in my calendar, or am I going to do stuff as it shows up? Uh, sorry, or, or or do the defining. And and what I think is interesting about the model is, uh, you know, it's a. Um, I sometimes say, well, there would be in theory a fourth box, you know, a fourth type, which would be, you know, the heck with it. I'm not doing anything productive, right? Which could which could very well be, you know, if if, if you're not interested in being engaged in productive activity. That's the case. But, but if you are, then these three, you know, it's kind of, as I say, it's kind of the first, the first choice that you need to make is where am I going to put my focus now? Um, and and I, I think your point about having, um, you know, having good lists is important, you know, for so many people because they, they don't have um, good reminder sets of whatever form. Uh, you know, they've, they've got varying levels of a good calendar, and I've certainly seen an awful lot of calendar abuse in my day. But, you know, generally speaking, people have reasonably good calendars as as, as concrete indicators of what their, their time-specific commitments are. Um, but because they don't have good lists, you know, what, what the, the decision-making process kind of looks like is I'm either going to something in my calendar, a meeting or a phone call or whatever it is, or I'm you know, in inverted commas, doing email, right? Which, which is basically just code for, I'm going to do my best to kind of 
kind of go through what's in there and figure out on the fly, hopefully something that might kind of look like the best choice for me. Um, and so, you know, in, in GTD, by, by doing the defining of our work, we set ourselves up to be both productive uh, in the sense that we'll have clearly identified outcomes and next actions, but also be, but, but also to be, uh, to be clear headed. So, so like an awful lot in GTD, you know, it's, it's a, um, um, it's, it's black belt productivity, right? It, it, this, this is what it looks like if you're really engaged at it at black belt level, but not everybody sees that straight away because, because what they see is, well, this doesn't seem to, um, you know, it's not, it's not the way that I'm used to working. It, it, it reflects a significantly different way that I'm from the way that I am currently working. And I get that. But again, part of, I think our job is to paint a picture of how the world could be different and an awful lot better if you engaged in working according to, you know, to, to, to different guidelines and frameworks. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think people do get relief immediately from this. And also once it, once it becomes installed as a habit, it no longer feels like work, you know, for, for, I'm sure for you. And I know for me now, it's just called how, how I do what I do, you know? And mm -hmm. so in a sense, it's become that, that, uh, what, what do you call it? Unconscious competence, you know, in the model, it's a thing where I no longer have to feel like I'm putting a lot of great amount of energy toward basic moves because the basic moves are just like breathing and walking and brushing my teeth. Now they're just, mm -hmm. they're habitual, you know, they're almost in muscle memory at this point. Mm -hmm. So, um, should we talk about the third, the third, uh, com major component, the horizons of focus and reviewing those appropriately to, to, to trust you're making the right choices instead of just doing email all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I love that def def description of doing email, by the way, too. It really is a great description of hoping it's right rather than trusting it's right. Every time someone goes and, you know, dives into their email inbox, it's very much a hope this is the one to be focused on kind of mode if they mm -hmm. have, in fact, clarified and got their inbox regularly emptied out into more useful lists. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Sure. Shall I, shall I give a high-level overview great. of the Horizons of Focus. Perfect. So again, if, if for any of the, those of you out there who haven't looked at it in a while, or or maybe uh, dimly remember it from the uh, from the uh, from the seminar, um, so it's it's basically a six level model. Um, it begins at what we call the ground level, or what we used to call the runway level, which is where where the tactical things that you focus on day to day. Um, uh, are are made account of so so every, you know the next actions right the calls you need to make the the um, the conversation topics that you have with your boss or with your with your life partner or or whoever you know the uh, the the things you need to browse for on the internet those are all examples of next actions and and of course all the things in your calendar all the meetings and and uh, and phone calls and and Skype conferences and whatever uh, in your in your calendar as well. And then as we make our way up in the model, for every step we go up, things get a bit longer term and a bit more kind of strategic in their, in their outlook. So, so at, at the next level up, we have what are called projects. And we use the word project to define anything that's a multi-step outcome that you'll do uh, in the next 12 months or so. So again, you know, your annual goals, um, uh, you know, we use a year because most, uh, you know, most human planning or much human planning takes place in annual cycles. And it's with that in mind that, you know, budgets are done according to, uh, to annual cycles and, and goals are set in many cases for people's performance on that, on that sort of timescale. So, so, uh, so projects are at the next level, what we call horizon one. We used to, in the old model, call it, call it 10,000 feet. 
Now we go up another level and we have what we call roles and responsibilities. And this is where, this is where your ongoing roles uh, can be documented. And, and this is, these are the things that you're not going to tick off as done. This is, you know, um, my role as the, um, as the managing partner of the company, for example, or my role as, uh, as a husband, for example. Um, those, are, those are ongoing things, of course. Those are not things that, that end. I don't tick them off as done. But they're interesting input to, um, to any decision that I might want to make about what's important to me. You know, and the question when it comes to roles is, hey, how's it going in this area? You know, anything need to be done and other than what's already happening in that area? And if so, now I can drop down to the next level down. I could say, yeah, what's the outcome? Right? What's the project that might get this thing onto uh, in, into, a, into a shape where I'd be more comfortable with it if I feel there's something to be done. So that's roles and responsibilities, the second horizon up um, uh, above, above the ground. And then the third horizon, we use the word um, uh, goals here. And, and goals really uh, is, they're, they're a bit like projects, they're outcomes. It's just that the time frame is different. So it's instead of the next 12 months, it's, it's, it's one year to two year kind of thing. So, you know, not, not this year, but next year. Um, they are outcomes, though, so they are things that I'll tick off as done. And these seem these are the things that are sort of um, that in many cases my projects are leading toward, right? So, so one of my outcomes for this year is the preliminary step to something that's a bit longer term. Moving up a level in the horizons, then we're at level number um, level number four, horizon number four. Uh, that's uh, what we we use the word vision here and. Vision is long-term outcomes is the way I think about it. This is your, you know, your three to five year stuff or whatever a long-term plan looks like for you. Um, the, also outcomes, by the way, so, so things you will take off as done in, in three to five years. Um, <clears throat> but again, differ from the lower level, uh, the, the goals level at Horizon 3 and the projects level at Horizon 1 because, um, you know, but, but simply differ because the time frame's different. Um, and then finally, up at the top level, we have purpose and principles, which is where you really get into the kind of, uh, for many people, the kind of quasi-spiritual quasi realm where um, it's, we're talking about purpose, we're talking about, you know, why you're, why you're here, why you're on the planet, um, what, are the, what are the guidelines that you live your life by that are, that are immutable. So, so those are the ideas, um, those are ideas at the top level. So that's it in a, a big and ragged nutshell. Um, again, Robert, I'm curious uh, how you think about that model and how you might have been uh, communicating it and presenting it and, 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 and uh, making it practical for your clients. Yeah, you know, that's a great overview. It, it occurs to me that it's, it's, um, it's a lot of richness in the horizons of focus. We may want to do another, another podcast just, just talking about some of the higher horizons because mm. to me there's a lot of power and potential for inspiration there. Um, and for a sense of alignment, you know, that the, the power that comes from being able to say, you know, this is the next email I should send because here's who I am and, and, and who I want to be and how I want to show up in the world. Here's my purpose, right? You know, mm -hmm. And the fact that all of that can align straight through to here's, here's who I am and here's what I want to be in three to five years, in one to two years. Here's the things I've got to maintain in that. Here's what I want to be true in, the com in this year. And here's the very next email to send off in, in relation to that. That level of clarity, that level of trust about, you know, as, when you talked about someone being able to justify, you know, why why are you engaged this way rather than some other way to yourself or to anyone else if, if tapped on the shoulder. Um, that's an incredibly, I think, powerful 
uh, way to be able to say, look, this this marries up, this matches. Mm-hmm. So the way that the way that I think of it, it really in in relation to, um, into in, into relation to kind of again trusting that you know it's right. I don't want to say prioritization, but more the intention behind prioritization. Because I think when people say, well, I gotta I gotta prioritize and I gotta figure out what's first and second, whatever. What they're really going for is a feeling of. I know I'm on track. I know I'm making the right choices. I know I'm spending my time and energy in the right places moment to moment. That's what prioritization serves and gives you. And I think that's what um, this, each of these three uh, sets of models that, that help you know how to engage give you as well. So this one, the third and last uh, of, of the models, is really about two things. You know, A, defining what that is for yourself, right? So if you, if you haven't already, if, you've, if you're a, a journeyman or journeywoman GTD practitioner and, and you want to kind of level up, uh, an easy level up is start to define some areas of focus and accountability, some roles and responsibility, you know, that, that level two uh, stuff in your life that sits above the projects that could be governing uh, a lot of those projects that you take on. So moving up the horizons and defining what this stuff even is for yourself um, is is a huge step in itself. And then, of course, you need to be reviewing it appropriately. Right? You need to actually be engaged with that. So having it defined or externalized so it's not just in your head and re- reflecting on it and, and bringing it back to yourself to, to, to contemplate, to think about, to help you uh, navigate the day-to-day a little bit more at appropriate intervals is is the other piece of that. So obviously the lists, you know, daily, the projects at least once a week in the weekly review. And the higher, higher horizons, the further up you get, the, the less frequently you may need to review them. You may want to review your, your roles and responsibilities, your areas of focus sort of quarterly, your goals maybe once a year, your vision every you know year or a couple years, your purpose and principles as often kind of as needed. So that that defining and reviewing, those two the kind of, to me kind of the left the left and right hands of being able to feel that the choices you're making are aligned with a greater sense of perspective and context about why you're making, why that email and not another, right? You know, in, in a mm. nutshell. So, mm. um, so, I mean, some practical examples of that, you know, are that in, in the weekly review, so just when you're looking at projects and actions and shoring all of that up, you're invariably, you know, it's going to influence what context you place yourself in or potentially place yourself in going forward. You might spot, oh, yeah, I can only do that in the office, and that really needs to be done this week, and I better go into the office on Thursday. You know, you're going to spot um, other things about how you relate to the threefold nature, like, wow, I'm just in back-to-back meetings all this week, and I need to I need to carve out some time in the diary to actually be able to process and um, get on top of emails and get them sort of transmuted into good action items and projects so I can feel, you know, more proactive and less reactive in this coming week. So all of the components of, of the weekly review, and in particular, things like looking at your projects and, and seeing, reminding yourself what they all are, that you, that you do want to complete outcomes, not just individual emails and, and actions, um, can kind of place all of this into, into greater uh, perspective for you, I guess, um, and, and will influence... Um, at those review intervals will influence the choices you make, you know, the, the short-term and the long-term choices that you make based on this stuff coming back to you uh, in, the, in the right ways and at the right intervals. So that's, that's to me what it's about. It's about defining and it's about reviewing and it will influence your behavior in very subtle but powerful ways and influences the choices you make, including 
where you put yourself, um, how you how you carve out the time to do other aspects of GTD, you know, all, all of it. So it's it's all under the biggest umbrella possible, I think, for GTD, which is being kind to your future self, being kind to the you that's going to need all of this navigational support and review and uh, input um, to be able in the heat of a busy, nutty week, you know, to get through it and to feel like to feel like, yeah, you, you had you had some some in a sense managerial support in the sense that your previous yeah. self was helping manage the future self uh, that needed that. Mm. Yeah, I, I like the idea of doing a uh, maybe a subsequent show just on the horizons of focus. And I'm with you. I think it's it's really powerful. It's it's the kind of thing that whether we've documented it or not, um, you know, the 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 commitments that we have are influencing our decisions. And so being like so many things in GTD, being explicit about those commitments can be so helpful. Um, so I, I loved your, um, you know, I loved your um, sort of documentation versus review of those things. I think that's absolutely right. Um, you know, and I think as well, it's, it's, I, I know we're, we're coming to the end of the time we've got, but when it's in specific, when it comes to this model, I think an awful lot of people, you know, uh, especially if we're doing a seminar, you know, seminar day, they've had a lot of new things introduced to them. You know, they've been thinking hard. They've been engaged with us in, in very kind of, uh, you know, taking part in a seminar, we do our best to make it entertaining and engaging, but man, oh man, they're doing a lot of thinking and they're really reflecting hard on how they work and how they might want to change the way that they work. And this model comes toward the end of the day. And one of the things that I think people sometimes go is uh, say to themselves is, hey, is this really is this really all relevant to me making a decision about whether I send this email or, or, or make that phone call? And, um, and, you know, I think you're absolutely right. It absolutely does. And, and so what I sometimes say to people is, look, take, take these three models that we've talked about. Take the horizons of focus, take the, the limiting criteria model and the threefold nature of work model. And, and just, you know, t maybe to take the A3 sheet that, that, that uh, gives you the diagram of those and put them by your desk. And then over the next, you know, couple of weeks and months, just, just pay attention to how you're making decisions about what to focus on and see whether you can leave any of those elements out, right? Can, can I leave out, you know, uh, doing work as it appears versus doing predefined work? Well, no, sometimes the boss says, come on over, you know, we've got something to focus on and you need to drop everything and go do that. Right. So, so, so see whether the, the models seem to be making, um, you know, seem to be implying the world as it really is when you make good decisions about what to focus on. And, and I, I quite often then will hear back from people after a few weeks or months saying, yeah, I didn't really get it on the seminar day, but now I do. These really do influence, uh, these models really do influence and document how I'm going to make decisions if my interest is in making good decisions. Absolutely. And I think that's a great, a great tip for anyone feeling, um, you know, at all overwhelmed or wondering where to start. It's called, you know, pin it up on the wall and start to become conscious of how this might be true for you. Mm. you know, and, and so much, I think, of, of all of this is, you know, that, that awareness is almost 50% of the cure, right? <laughs> you know, just yeah. people becoming aware of, oh, yeah, I am in this mode. I do need to go, I, I, you know, I have been in unplanned for a while and I need, do need to spend some time defining now. And now I need to spend some work on the predefined and now I need to do a weekly review and whatever it is, just becoming aware, um, you know, that, that your reality can fit into these models in ways that are in fact natural and, and organic. And it was developed very much, I think, from first principles, keen observation and lots and lots and lots of, uh, you know, 
practical um, application with with brightest and busiest people. So, mm. yes, I think that's a great a great um, a great place to leave folks is just to say, give it give it a go. You know, put put up the workflow map, uh, start to create a little more awareness in your life about what the criteria are that help you engage in a way that feels conscious, that feels like. Um, yeah, again, if the boss tapped you on the shoulder, you wouldn't you you're, you wouldn't have your only justification be you know well it was just sorry it was just kind of going that way, <laughs> you know. But, but you have been you have been um, fighting the good fight against entropy and and making decisions that are more uh, more conscious and less random uh, and, and less just um, going with the proverbial flow. So um, I think that's a great a great tip to leave folks with at this point. Um, if you have been tuning in and enjoying these, this is the this is the, the, the fifth and final of our kind of review of the, the five phases, but we will be back probably with, with something about the horizons of focus or anything else you'd like us to, um, to touch on. If you have thoughts, ideas, um, or if you've just been enjoying these and, and want to drop us a line, we always love to hear that too. Info at next-action.eu. Info at next-action.eu um, is where to reach us for that. So until next time, wishing you conscious decisions, decisions you can trust, decisions that feel aligned um, when, you, when you go to engage. Bye from me and, and bye from Todd. We'll see you next time.